This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Never in the history of mankind have so many people been searching for guidance and advice. There are just so many confused and frustrated and discouraged and anxious and hopeless people. And no wonder, uh, because we live in a, a moral maze, an ethical minefield. It's a world full of insecurities and uncertainties. Economies fail, governments topple, diseases are rampant, families fall apart. And today, societal, societal issues are great with gender issues and marriage issues. And so people are genuinely searching for answers. They're looking for some kind of guidance and direction and are desperately trying to make sense of what's happening around them. But yet, never before has there been so many people claiming to have the answers for all these problems. There are literally hundreds of philosophies and religions and secular societies and all kinds of gurus all advocating solutions to all these problems. Psychology and psychiatry and psychoanalysis, it's a growth industry today. There are literally tens, if not hundreds of thousands of psychiatrists around the world today. You go into bookstores today and there's shelves full of self-help books and all kinds of 10 easy steps to whatever. And so people are trying to look for something to help them out of the situation. Newspapers are full of column inches of advice from agony ants. I don't know if you ever read that nonsense, but sometimes you read it and you scratch your head and say, what a load of baloney. And these are supposed to be the experts. Horoscopes, just about every page of every paper, every paper you left, there's a page of it, horoscopes. And so, in desperation, people are searching and they're looking and they go into New Age and philosophy and all kinds of Eastern religions and meditation and yoga and everything, looking for some kind of peace, inner peace. And right in the midst of all of this is Christmas. What in the world has Christmas got to do with solving problems? Well, actually, it's everything to do with it. Because Isaiah tells us here that there is one who's come into the world who is the wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor. The one who knows the answer to every question, who has the solution to every problem, who has the supply to every need, who has the cure for every care, the wisdom for every decision, and the hope for every despair. Imagine, imagine if you had a friend who knows everything God knows. 
Imagine if you had a friend who was available to you 24 hours every day, 365 days every year. Imagine if you had a friend who knew the answer before you ever had the problem. Imagine if you had a friend that knew the very worst about you and still loved you, who knew all about your failures and your regrets and your mess-ups, but he still believed in you. Imagine if you had a friend that in moments of great crises, that he was right there beside you, that would promise you that I will never, ever leave you or forsake you, that in your anxieties, he would come alongside and bring comfort and care and counseling. Well, Jesus is no imaginary friend. He is the wonderful counselor. In Colossians 2 and 3, it speaks of both the Father and Christ, and it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. James 1 and 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given him. And so whatever our need is, whatever our problem is, whatever answer we need, we can find it in Christ. Proverbs 2 and 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Psalm said in Psalm 16, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Isaiah prophetically speaking in Isaiah 11 said, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Even a cursory reading of the four Gospels, when you see how Jesus dealt with people and how he dealt with his detractors, he had the answer on every single occasion. And he had the wisdom. No wonder they says, never man spoke like this man. They said, this man speaks with authority, not as the scribes. So he counsels us. He's the wonderful counselor. He counsels us, first of all, with his word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In those days, of course, there was no uh, street lighting. And so they would carry a lamp, but they wouldn't carry it up here. They'd carry it down there at their feet because the terrain would be rocky and there'd be potholes and things that make you stumble. So they put the light down at the feet in order to be able to see where you're going so that you wouldn't stumble. And the word is something, metaphorically speaking, that we can put at our feet to stop us from stumbling. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded upon a rock. What was the rock? Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, you shall be built upon a rock and you shall not fall. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
There's something about feeding your spirit man with the word of God to get it deep inside you. It helps to keep us right. Now, the Bible speaks of two kinds of wisdom that are continually competing for our attention. The wisdom of this world and the wisdom of God. Scripture says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. 1 Corinthians 18 20. Let no one deceive himself. If any among you seem to be wise in this age, worldly wise that means, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. There used to be a wee man who used to walk about Belfast and he had two boards on him, one on his front and one on his back. And the front one simply read, I am a fool for Christ. And people looked at it and smiled and smirked and laughed and he walked past and they couldn't resist looking at the one at the back and it says, whose fool are you? Because <laughs> you're either a fool for Christ or you're a fool for this world. Psalm 14 and 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, <coughs> but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What man thinks is foolishness with God is actually wisdom. The so-called wisdom of man is ever-changing. It's ever be becoming more foolish because it's subject to the rationale that says there is no God. And once you leave God out of it, no matter how clever you may be, how educated, how knowledgeable, <coughs> it's foolishness. For instance, people say there is no God. There is no higher intelligence. It's funny the same people says there's no higher intelligence, say, but there's, there's a higher intelligence out there somewhere and we're trying to find it. I never could get my head around that. You know, there's wee green men out there somewhere and they're far smarter than we are. But you say, but wait a minute, what about the highest intelligence? What about God? No, we don't believe in God. That's the foolishness of this world. And so there's no higher intelligence. There is no God, they say. And sometimes they say there is no ultimate purpose to life. None whatsoever. That we're all just part of cosmic dust and we'll just be recycled when we die into cosmic dust again what utter foolishness is that they tell us that our son one day but we'll not have to worry for it. it's only going to be five billion years before it happens they tell our son one day it will start to to grow and expand into a great red giant whenever it expands all of its hydrogen that gives it all that energy it turns it helium when that expands then it'll just swell and grow and grow and take over the planets and take over earth and we'll all die And then they say, but we can't be absolutely sure. <laughs> Such nonsense. 
You know, I had to smile to myself this past week uh, that the NASA has discovered that there was the most unusual shaped asteroid that they reckon has come from another galaxy. Hasn't come from our solar system, but outside our solar system, interstellar. And what's unusual about it is it's cigar-shaped, because they're usually round and a bit knobbly, but this is (laughs) cigar-shaped. And I'm I'm smiling, I'm laughing, I'm thinking this. And they said, actually, honestly, these are PhD people. And they said, actually, we think that it's a spaceship. And Stephen Hawking's supposed to be one of the most clever men in the whole of Britain. He bought into that. And so they pointed all the radio telescopes at this great big rock that's traveling at 196,000 miles an hour through our solar system. They're not going to go on into somewhere else. And they pointed this to try to get any signals. And one went as far to say is that its motors has broken down. That's why it's spinning. I mean, this was a big thing. I mean, it was a talk of NASA and all the rest of it. And then they discovered, no, it's just a big piece of rock anyway. It's nothing. It's dead. Well, we could have told them that in the first place. But they're so desperate to find something out there that they'll believe almost anything. That's the foolishness of this world. Psalm 119 says, The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the very thoughts and intents of the heart. This book here can reach the part of the hearts that no other book can reach, that no other writing can reach because this is written by God the Holy Spirit. And it makes an absolute change in the life of those who believe it and who trust it and who live by it. This is God's manual for us to live by. So he counsels us with his word. He counsels us with his spirit. Jesus said in John 14, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit can teach us things, can give us wisdom, can direct our lives. Romans 8, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so the Holy Spirit can help us to pray. He can help us to get out what we need to get out in prayer because sometimes we don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray. And so the Holy Spirit in us can help us to do that and cause us to pray the right thing for the right reason. Robertson said about that particular couple of verses, says, the Holy Spirit lays hold of our weaknesses along with us and carries his part of the burden facing us as if two men were carrying a log, one at each end. 
I used to work on the electricity board many, many years ago. What did they call it now, Brian? He's in the wee room. It used to be called the electricity board. I don't know what they call it now. And uh, we used to have to go out. Do you ever see them laying those big underground cables and the big, electric, the big thick electric cables? Well, they come in a great big spill. And so whenever that was taken off the, off the lorry, then it was a mad rush to see who could get to right at the very front of it. Because you knew if you got right at the very front of it, that was the lightest bit because whoever was behind you was carrying the weight of it. And so there's about 10 guys rushing to get that one two-foot part at the front and the rest of us who got caught up at the back of it when we were killed, especially if you were the last man because all the rest of the weight of it was falling on you. But Robertson says the Holy Spirit, it's like two men carrying the log, one at each end, and it's, it's balanced. And so the Holy Spirit brings balance into our life, helps us to pray, teaches us, helps us, counsels us. He counsels us in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 and 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Are you given to worry and care? Some people say, well, I'm just a born worrier. Are you given to worry and care? Are you like Martha, who was troubled about many things? Jesus counsels us not to be like that. He doesn't want you to be anxious continually, to be worried all the time. In fact, he, he taught his disciples not to do that, not to be like that. Let me just read to you uh, from Matthew chapter 6. Let me just read it to you in another another translation. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you're far more valuable to him than they are. Can all your worries add one single moment to your life? Of course not. Why do you worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith, he says. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And so Jesus, in his wisdom, says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be unduly fearful and concerned. 
it's going to be all right. Your heavenly Father knows every need you've got, every concern you have. You know, I was driving along the other day, and a thought came into my mind, and I instinctively heard myself saying, in my head, of course, saying, what does the Lord care about that? He's got more things to do than that. And then instantly, instantly the scripture come to me, but he counts the very hairs in your head, they're all numbered. And I thought, well, Lord, if you count the very hairs in my head, then you, you, would, you would be interested in what I just said. You have no interest in. You couldn't be bothered with. He's interested in every single detail of your life, no matter how small it is. If it concerns you, it concerns him. So, take no thought, he says. In Matthew chapter 13, he's telling the parable of the seeds and the sower. He said, a farmer went out to plant some seed. Verse 3 of Matthew 13. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell on a shallow ground with underlying rock. The plants sprang up quickly, but they soon wilted beneath the hot sun and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seeds fell among thorns that shot up and choked out the tender blades. But some, fell, some seeds fell on fertile soil and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as he had planted. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. And the disciples then ask him about that parable. What does that mean? So he explains in verse 18. Now here's the explanation of the story I told you about the farmer sowing grain. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the good news about the kingdom and doesn't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the seed away from their hearts. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. At first they get along fine, but they wilt as soon as they have problems or are persecuted because they believe the word. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news, but all too quickly the message, notice this, is crowded out by the cares of this life and the lure of wealth and no crop is produced. <coughs> the cares of this life, the desire of things can ruin the word of God that's in your heart. Can stop it being effective, I should say, that's in your heart. That stop it growing and bearing fruit in your life all because of the cares of this world. So again and again, the Lord is saying, us, do not worry. Have no anxious thought. 1 Peter 5 and 7, Peter says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Hebrews 13 and 5, let your conversation, that means your manner of life, your lifestyle, if you will, be without covetousness, be without fondness for things, wanting always to have and to have. And be content with such things as you have. Why? For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Luke 21, he warns us to take heed that our heart doesn't become over-concerned with the cares of this life. 
It's okay to be cautious. It's okay to be properly concerned about certain situations. We can't bury our head in the sand. There's stuff we have to deal with. That's understandable. That's okay. But to get worried sick all the time, to be over-anxious continually, Jesus says don't do that. He counsels us in our prayers not to be like that. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, Paul says. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Thanksgiving is very much a part of your prayer life. If you continually ask, 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 and you're not thanking, if somebody in your family continually ask, 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 and never says thanks, you're not too happy about it, are you? It doesn't show a very grateful heart, does it? And so God wants us in our prayers to be thankful, to thank him for everything he has done. Should you do it a million times, it's good to do it, just to have a thankful, grateful heart. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. Anything that's praiseworthy, anything that is virtue, anything that's of a good report, not necessarily a spiritual thing, anything. There could be something in art, literature, or something that you love, or a scene when you go on your holidays and you like to look at the view Lovely, it's a lovely thing. Think on these things. A study of the worrying things, the anxious thoughts. You've got to replace those. He says, don't think about those. So how are you not going to think about those? You've got to replace them with good thoughts. This is what Paul's saying. Rather than continually think about those anxious things, think about the good things. Do you go to bed at night and there's something worrying you and you know you're going to have to face it the next day isn't it hard to sleep sometimes? Because it's just going over your, just playing over and over and over and over in your mind. The only way to stop that is to replace that thought with something that's good, that's true, that's wholesome, that's pure, that's lovely, and replace it. The wonderful counselor is with us today. He counseled Peter when he had backslid. He counseled Thomas when he was full of doubt. He counseled the Samaritan woman beside the well. He counseled the woman who was taken in adultery. He counseled Martha who was troubled about many things. He counseled Nicodemus. He counseled the rich young ruler. He counseled Jairus. He was always counseling always in conversation, always talking, always helping. And if he counseled all of those and many, many more, how much more will he counsel us if we ask him to? If we ask him to. And so that's one of his great names. He's the wonderful counselor. I'm not decrying 
there are professional counselors out there who've been trained. I'm not decrying that, but what I'm saying is oftentimes we run to that first before we go to the wonderful counselor. Let's, over this Advent season, if there's something that's troubling you, that's worrying you, let's go to the counselor and say, Lord Jesus, help me with this. Help me. I don't know the answer. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Help me. And the Holy Spirit in you will give you guidance. And you'll be granted wisdom and understanding. And you'll calm yourself. Why? Because you've asked for his help. And his help will come. It could just come right out of the blue. Or a thought will come to you. Or something will happen that will just help you in that moment. Because he's the wonderful counselor. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are available to us every moment of every day. You are literally just a prayer away. And so in our times when we're anxious or afraid or prone to worry or be overly concerned, help us, help us, Lord, to look to you and to trust you and to believe that you have an answer for every one of my problems. So we give you thanks today. As we approach this season of the Advent, as we approach this day when you, we commemorate your birth, we give you thanks that you came to this world. You came to save us, to redeem us. You came to change our lives forever. So we thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding. We thank you for your peace that's in our hearts. We bless you for that. So we look to you tonight and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.